Welcome to East Hills Alliance Church. We are everyday people following Jesus every day. Amen. Well, good morning, East Hills family in the room with us and on the line. Um, This morning, I have my young friend, Jeremiah, who's going to read from Matthew chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It's on page 1,200. I have no idea what page it is in your Bible. Uh, But you can turn there if you like. Jeremiah is going to read Matthew chapter 5 for us this morning. We'll get him a microphone so he doesn't have to yell. Now Jesus said to the, the crowds, he went up on a mountain and sat down. His disciples came to him. And he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who persecuted for the righteousness of theirs, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who who were before you. Thanks, Jeremiah. High school was the best five years of my life. <laughs> well, maybe not like the best, but it was, it was a pretty good five years. I, I learned a lot of things in five years. Apparently, most people only take four to learn, probably more than I did. Uh, but I probably didn't learn those things as quickly as my teachers would have hoped. I learned that it is more fun to play Nintendo 64 than it is to study. I also learned that when you're playing Nintendo 64 and you're playing uh, a wrestling match on WCW versus NWO Revenge, and the stipulation is that if you lose, you shave your eyebrows, that might be the most serious video game you ever play. Also turns out I'm bad at wagering because when I won, nothing happened to him. Uh, But I got to keep my eyebrows. I learned that working at a roller skating rink is about the best job you can have. Playing bad music, skating, yelling at kids, all good things, all good things. I also learned that uh, great teachers care about more than your grades in, in their class. And I learned that you have to do the work. Uh, showing up and going through the motions just isn't enough. Uh, I didn't skip class. I wasn't um, overly obnoxious. I was the class clown. Yes, I did do that. But, but I didn't disrupt a lot of things. Teachers enjoyed having me in the class. I just didn't do the work. I enjoyed hanging out with friends. But for the first two years of high school and the last three years of middle school and probably half the third year of high school, I just, I didn't, I didn't do the assignments. I didn't put in the effort. I didn't do the work. I failed English. I failed math. I probably failed other classes, but I was unwilling or too lazy to go look for records of such classes. Those are two I remember I failed because I remember taking them again (laughs) and again. And but now you're probably thinking to yourself, Wayne, that's great. You were a bad student. But what in the world does that have to do with the teaching of Jesus we find in Matthew's gospel? And I'm, I'm glad that you asked. 
Uh, today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 4 is our main verse. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Just so you know, I'm probably going to say, for they shall be comforted. Because there's a few parts of the Bible that hang out in New King James in my head. And this is one of them. So like typing in my notes, I was like, will, will, will. And like half the times I typed shall. So if I say shall, it means the same thing. I promise. That's our verse. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And I think to mourn well takes effort and intentionality. It's not going to just happen. We can't just show up. We have to do the work. And before I get too far, I want to make sure I make it clear that I'm not saying if we do the work of mourning, that that will make it easier. That will fix all the problems. So that will make everything okay. The, the analogy of me being a bad student breaks down eventually. But I do think it takes intentionality and effort when we mourn. Uh, good morning. My name is Wayne Charles Rosinski. Um, I never know if we go first or first and last name, so I just thought I'd throw the whole thing out there. Named after both my grandpas. Uh, I'm a Hume doing his best to follow Jesus, and I love walking alongside others as they do the same. I have the privilege of serving here at East Hills in a few roles, and I'm excited to dig in today with you guys to the teachings of Jesus. And our main verse, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Uh, last week, Pastor Josh played a fun game where we, we memorized by taking things away from the screen, Right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of heaven, or kingdom of God. It depends on how we memorized it. Um, this week, we're just going to say it over and over, so you're not even going to realize you're memorizing it. In the later day, you're going to be like, hey, I think I know that verse he said 1,200 times. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And last week, Josh said that it's okay to say blessed or blessed. And while I don't disagree with him, that is okay, I did find some video evidence. I'm not going to show you the video because of copyright strike stuff, but we do have a picture of Jesus when he is giving the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> of an actor playing Jesus when he was giving... Okay, it's not... I've never seen actual video footage of the Sermon on the Mount, but this is what I could find. And, and he says, blessed. And you can say whatever you want, blessed or blessed, but I want you to know if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. So I'm going to say blessed throughout today. And we'll get more later into the context of Jesus' teaching and, and see that you don't actually have to be mourning to be blessed, um, but my guess is that each of us, in some way, have something in our life that is bringing us sadness or sorrow or grief, whether big or small. And no matter where we are in the process of mourning and grieving, my prayer is that we find some peace today in the words of Jesus and the love of our Heavenly Father. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Let me pray as we dig into the word. God, I love you. Thank you for your love and your grace. God, thank you for a chance to look at scripture. God, I pray that today we would be challenged and changed by the truth of your word to draw closer to you, to love you more. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. In the gospel of Matthew up to this point in chapter 5, we've had the birth of Jesus, kind of a good place to start. We've had the visit of the wise men, the magi. We've had the introduction to John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. We've had Jesus being baptized by John in the Jordan, Jordan River. Jesus being led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he fasted for 40 days. And the scripture says, after he had fasted for 40 days, he became hungry. And I look at it and think, wow. After I fasted for about 40 minutes, I become hungry. So I've got, I've got all the work to do in the fasting department. But he became hungry. We see Jesus heading to Galilee to start his ministry, calling his first four disciples, Andrew, Peter, James, and John, to leave their nets and follow him, to lay down their fishing and become fishers of men. And then in Matthew 4, starting in verse 23, it says, Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, 
and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Then the news about him spread throughout Syria. So they brought to him all those who were afflicted, those suffering from various diseases and intense pains. The demon possessed the epileptics and the paralytics, and he healed them. Large crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. And that brings us up to chapter 5. Thank you so much, Jeremiah, for reading that for us this morning. Uh, chapter 5, verse 1, when, the, when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them, saying... So sometimes when I'm reading through the Gospels, the accounts of Jesus' life in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I see the word disciples, I think of the 12 apostles, right? Andrew, Peter, James, John, the other eight, Thaddeus, that's a good name, so we remember him. And I think of those 12, which we, in in this account of Jesus' life, haven't actually met all those. Jesus hasn't called all those as his apostles, yet he's teaching disciples. Disciple is a word that simply means student or learner or follower. So Jesus, as a rabbi, as a teacher has many people who are learning from him and following his teachers. So as we read the Gospels, for me it's helpful to go, hey, that doesn't just mean these 12 really important dudes. Well, these 11 really important dudes and one that we don't love quite so much. Um, If you haven't read the whole Gospels, we don't like one as much. Um, But Jesus isn't just talking to these 12 men, but the groups of people, men and women, from all these places that Matthew has listed that are following him. Jesus was, in this passage, introducing the kingdom of heaven. He was starting his ministry. He's saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And the InterVarsity Press biblical background commentary, my favorite commentary name to say, says that Jewish people recognize that God rules the universe now. But they prayed for the day when he would rule the world unchallenged by idolatry and disobedience. The coming of this future aspect of God's reign was generally associated with the Messiah and the resurrection of the dead. Because Jesus came and will come again, Christians believe that the kingdom has been inaugurated, but awaits consummation or completion. God's kingdom is now and not yet. God is sovereign. God is in control. And we can live out his kingdom principles right now. But there are aspects of the kingdom that won't be fully realized, fully established, until Christ comes back with the new heavens and the new earth. And each of these beatitudes has a blessed are those and a for they shall be, or for they will be. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. There's a now and a not yetness to the kingdom of heaven. And in Jesus' setting, as he's teaching uh, this Sermon on the Mount, teaching those who are in need of healing, those who are demon-possessed, those who are paralytics, and likely a mix of Jews and Gentiles, uh, given the areas and the places that Matthew lists as these people being from, Jesus here is speaking to many that the Jewish community wouldn't see as favored of God or as blessed. As your first blank, Jesus is inviting into the kingdom those who are not normally thought of as favored by the Lord. Jesus is inviting to be part of the kingdom those who are not normally thought of as favored by the Lord. I think even today we can slip into thinking that those who are blessed are those who have it all together, those who drive the nice car, those who have an intact family, those who look well, those who have a good home, that we see those, and we think those are probably people that are blessed by God. If I were to show a picture of of a guy that that looks like he had a bath that morning wearing a suit, and I showed a picture of a homeless man, and I said, which one of these guys do you think is blessed? I would not pick the homeless man. 
I would pick the guy that looks like he has it all together and assume that he is blessed or favored of God. We, we still tend to put favor of God with what we look at as the good life. But what if being favored by God doesn't always look like we think it does? What if it looks like those who are mourning? What if it looks like those who are traveling for days to seek healing from a wandering rabbi preacher? Uh, as I was preparing this week, somebody suggested that I read uh, chapter 4 of The Divine Conspiracy by Dallas Willard. I thought, I can read a chapter of a book as I prepare. Um, Dallas Willard didn't know what chapters were. Uh, so I didn't even read the whole chapter, and I read for an hour and 15 minutes. Great chapter. I recommend probably the whole book. But if you, if you, if you read the book, if you're the person that like, reads a chapter a night, just, just plan ahead. Dude, dude's got big chapters. But Dallas Willard says in his book, The Beatitudes, in particular are not teachings on how to be blessed. They are not instructions to do anything. They do not indicate conditions that are especially pleasing to God or good for human beings. No one is actually being told that they are better off for being poor, for mourning, for being persecuted, and so on. Or that the conditions listed are recommended ways to well-being before God or man. Nor are the Beatitudes indications of who will be on top after the revolution. Their explanations and illustrations drawn from the immediate setting of the present availability of the kingdom through personal relationship to Jesus. They single out cases that provide proof that in him the rule of God from the heavens truly is available in life circumstances that are beyond all human hope. They serve to clarify Jesus' fundamental message, the free availability of God's rule and righteousness to all of humanity through reliance upon Jesus himself the person now loose in the world among us. They do this simply by taking those who, from the human point of view, are regarded as most hopeless, most beyond all possibility of God's blessing or even interest, and exhibiting them as enjoying God's touch and abundant provision from the heavens. Those whom the world may easily overlook as being not good enough or not qualified for the kingdom are invited to be part of the kingdom by the King of Kings, and they are called blessed. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. When I think of mourning, the, the first type of mourning that comes to my head is grief and sorrow over loss. Whether the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, the loss of a pet, the loss of a relationship. And I think sometimes we don't feel okay admitting that we're sad or sorrowful or mourning, like unless it's a total loss. But I think there are times when a relationship changes. Like maybe a person didn't die, but a relationship changes and, and we can mourn and we can have sorrow and be sad over that. And I think it's, it's okay to be like, it doesn't have to be like, this was the end of the world to me, so I need to grieve. It can be like, this was kind of hard. I need to grieve. There are lots of times that we need to grieve. On Tuesday, uh, I asked a group of guys that I meet with at a coffee shop. Don't worry, I don't drink coffee. It's disgusting. But, but uh, some of these guys do. Actually, I don't think one of these guys drinks coffee. The other one drinks tea and one drinks uh, vanilla steamers, I think is is what he has, when he has anything. I just get the apple cinnamon muffin. It's quite delicious. And healthy, because it's fruit. <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay, see me afterwards if that's not true. I don't know. But I meet with these guys, and, and because I'm selfish, I, I asked the question last Tuesday, what does it look like to mourn or to grieve well? And what are some things that can help us in the grieving process? What does it look like to mourn well? And my first response was, well, I have a piece of bacon and one egg and half an English muffin. And I thought to myself, good, good. Somebody else uses humor to cover insecurity and hard questions. It's not just me. It's also someone else. 
but after that answer, we talked about uh, the importance of, of having someone to walk with you through it, someone to talk to or someone to just listen or someone to just sit with, that we, when we mourn, we mourn best when we do it as part of a community. We don't have to bear the sorrow alone. We can reach out to friends, to family members, to pastors, to professional health, mental health professionals and to process and walk through that grief, that sadness, that sorrow. Um, what, for, for me, a couple of those places are, are that group of guys on a Tuesday morning and then also small groups. Like if I didn't lead a small group, I would want to be in every other small group we have at this church. Like sometimes I'm like, man, could they just do it like on different nights? So like I could have a Monday night small group, a Tuesday night small group, a Wednesday night small group. And like I think that would probably wear me too thin. That would be no good to any of those. So I actually haven't done it. But, but having people that you can be in community with, that you can share life with, that you can pray together with. Uh, so if you've thought about small groups or never thought about it, I encourage you to check them out. Like I said, I would, uh, I would be happy to be in any of the small groups. Uh, mine would probably be like my third pick um, after a couple of the other guys I really respect. But... But having people that we can walk through life with like that. Paul says in Romans 12, uh, verse 15 is the one that really matters. We're going to start in verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Weep with those who weep. I think that sometimes when we, we see people at church, we say things like, how are you doing? And we expect responses like fine or good or live in the dream. And if you're a live in the dream person, that's okay. I think it's weird, but it's Okay. But what if when we asked somebody how they were doing, we said, how are you doing, comma, really? Like, we, we just took time to listen. Whether they have a big thing to share, whether they have a small thing to share, maybe they really are good. Let them talk about being good. But what if we took time to ask people how they were doing, really, and then listened? Not so we can fix the situation, but to be present with them in whatever they're walking through. Maybe sometimes they won't need to talk, but just need somebody to listen to, or somebody to sit with them, somebody to be present in their pain with them. If you're walking through something this morning, I'd encourage you to reach out to somebody. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I've been part of groups here at East Hills that meet on Thursday nights, and as part of those groups, we're supposed to call and check in three times a week. So we sit for two hours every Thursday night, and we share our lives and what we're walking through and, and how we're progressing in that, and we're supposed to call and check in throughout the week. So I know that these guys want to hear from me. Like It's part of doing the group that you're going to have guys call you throughout the week. But like on Saturday, two days later, I'm like, I don't want to call that guy. It'll bother him. Uh, if you're going through something, call somebody. If it bothers them, call the next person on your list. Uh, find somebody to talk to and to process that with. And if you know somebody that is walking through anything, reach out. Sit with them. Be present in their pain. I think it's awesome that we can do that for each other. And it's also great that the Lord does that for us. God is with us. Psalm 3014 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I love the lyrics from a song by Wren Collective. The song is called Weep With Me. It says, Weep with me, Lord, will you weep with me? I don't need answers. All I need is to know that you care for me. Hear my plea. Are you even listening? Lord, I will wrestle with your heart, but I won't let you go. You know I believe. Help my unbelief. Yet I will praise you. Yet I will sing of your name. Here in the shadows, here I will offer my praise. 
What's true in the light is still true in the dark. You're good and you're kind and you care for this heart. Lord, I believe you weep with me. I love the honesty of being able to admit that things are hard and to admit that while things are hard, we can still remember that God is good and worthy of our praise. Everything that's true about God on our best days is true about God on our hardest days. It doesn't always feel like it, but it is still true of God. And I think sometimes that we don't want to admit, even to ourselves, or maybe especially to ourselves, that we're hurting, or that we're still hurting, or that we're hurting again over something. Your next blank, when we don't take the time to feel the feelings, it is unlikely that we'll experience true healing. And I learned from the Lego movie that this is true because it rhymes. When we don't take time to feel the feelings, it is unlikely that we'll experience true healing. It is so easy to distract ourselves from the pain. Whether we turn to an addiction that we know is destructive for our lives, or we turn to something maybe more benign or more innocent, like watching TV or crushing candy or crafting minds, or whatever it is you turn to to not think about the things that cause you pain. Refusing to process the pain doesn't make the pain go away. Uh, I play basketball a couple of times a week at what some would call an ungodly hour of the morning. And it's a lot of fun, it's a little bit competitive, and it burns enough calories that when I eat a bowl of ice cream on Sunday afternoon, and Tuesday afternoon, and maybe Friday afternoon, I don't feel that bad because I've burned the calories playing basketball. But, but the guys that we play with, most of us are not as young as we used to be, which I think is just always true about everybody, but man, do I feel it some Monday mornings that I'm not as young as I used to be. And if I were to sprain my ankle on a Friday morning, uh, it would hurt, right? Does everybody agree with that? Sprain your ankle, it hurts. If you haven't done it, don't. Just, you don't have to do it for yourself. When you sprain your ankle, it hurts. And I could go home and I could numb that pain with Tylenol or Advil or some Dollar General brand ibuprofen. But if I just keep taking medicine, will that help my ankle to heal like it's supposed to? If I just take medicine and go through my life, my ankle won't heal. I probably need to go home and put ice on my ankle. Actually, even when I don't sprain, I should probably go home and put ice on my ankle because my ankles are old. They just hurt. Um, but if I sprain my ankle, if I roll, I need to go home, put ice on it. I probably need to let my wife take care of me, right? Like at lunchtime, I should probably let her make me nachos and bring me nachos while I have my foot up with ice on it. Um, I said that last night, and then I really wanted nachos, and it just happened again. Man, nachos. But I need to admit that I'm hurt. I need to let somebody else help me. Like, if it's really bad, I probably need to go to a doctor. Like, I probably need to go to a guy who, who fixes these things for a living. Numbing the pain doesn't bring healing. It only hides the pain. It's still there, and we still need to deal with it. And I think that's true of our mourning and our sorrow as well. Numbing and, and ignoring it doesn't actually bring healing. I want to look at a story where Jesus was facing the loss of a good friend. In John chapter 11, we see the story of Lazarus being sick. And then dying. Then, after, after that, Jesus goes out to Bethany and is talking with the sisters of Lazarus, Mary and Martha. John chapter 11, verse 29. As soon as Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw that Mary got up quickly and went out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to cry there. As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I think sometimes when bad things happen, we uh, can have a tendency to maybe turn to God and be like, God, why did this happen? God, why 
didn't you fix this, God? I know you could have fixed this, God. Why didn't you fix this? And I think it's important to see here that Jesus doesn't correct Mary, doesn't get mad at her or tell her that she's wrong to say that. Her comment, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus responds, when Jesus saw her crying, the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. And John 11.35, if you ever want to just memorize a verse of the Bible because you want to memorize it, shortest verse in the Bible, John 11.35, Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Jesus wept. And people argue about how much of things Jesus knew when he was here on this earth, whether he still knew everything or he didn't. I fall in the didn't know everything category from some scriptures. But even with that, we see earlier in John chapter 4, Jesus says, this sickness isn't to end in death, but for the glory of God. And Jesus is, is a couple minutes from calling man who's been dead four days out of the tomb. Jesus knows how this story ends. He knows Lazarus is going to come out of that tomb alive and reunited with his sisters. But in this moment, over the loss of a friend and with uh, those sisters of that friend, Jesus wept. He cried. He showed his emotion. He was sad, even though he knew that this was for the glory of God. But even knowing the end of the story was good, Jesus wept. And he was present with those. Your next blank, don't let knowing the end of the story keep you from admitting how you feel. Don't let knowing the end of the story keep you from admitting how you feel. We know the end of this story because it's in the Bible. We also know that for those who believe in Christ, the end of the story is eternity with Jesus in the new heavens and the new earth. But it is still hard to not have them with us. And it's okay to miss them. And it's okay for that to be hard. We can celebrate their life. We can celebrate everything good about them. And if they made Christ Lord of their life, we can celebrate that they are in a better place. But that doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. That doesn't make it easy to go on without them with us. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You don't have to pretend to be okay to be accepted in the kingdom of heaven. You don't have to pretend that you're not hurting to be part of the body of Christ, the church. You don't have to put on a brave face in front of those who follow Jesus with you. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to be sad. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. We're told we don't have to grieve as those without hope. But that doesn't mean that we won't grieve. That doesn't mean that there won't be hurt and sorrow. Think of David when he cried out in the Psalms. I think of Hannah when she cried out because she didn't have a son in a culture that it was assumed if you were barren that that was a curse from God. And then God showed his love to those Another type of mourning that we see in Scripture is mourning over sin or mourning over a community not living for God. We see this in prophets like Ezra and Nehemiah as they weep and lament over the condition of their city as they are off in captivity. It's a tricky word, captivity. We see it in Jeremiah as he writes a book called Lamentations. There are many psalms that start with some lament and then end with some joy. I read through some Lamentations this week. Jeremiah doesn't turn it around as much as David 
He just sits in that lament, in that sorrow over the people of God in the situation that they're in. We also see this in Jesus as he laments over Jerusalem. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 37 says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I want to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We should mourn and we should be grieved and sorrowful over our sin, both individually and corporately, as a, as a body of Christ, as a community of believers, as part of a city and a county and a nation and a human race. And that sadness, that sorrow should lead us to repentance. It should lead us to praying for those around us who don't know Christ or who have walked away from Christ. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. When I was reading through uh, some resources studying, I found one commentary that said when Jesus said this, he was definitely talking about people who were mourning and had lost and, and that type of mourning. And other ones that said this is definitely talking about um, like the prophets and that crying out for people being astray from God. So I decided they're both right. Like Jesus is probably not talking about either or in this situation, but both of those ways of mourning. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. For they will be comforted. That next blank is those who mourn will be comforted. And if you're kind that guesses blanks, that's one you might have got. Okay, so that's your freebie. For they will be comforted. We read in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. To proclaim the year of our Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance. To comfort all who mourn. To provide for those who mourn in Zion. To give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Festive oil instead of mourning and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. Jesus used these words when he was preaching in the synagogue. In Luke, and we see that God is there with those who mourn. God is bringing comfort. Then the last verse, and they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify Him. I love that reminder. We talked about Psalm one a couple of weeks ago of a tree planted by the streams of living water. Um, in preparation to, for today, I was going to get us some sackcloth and, sackcloth and ashes. Um, but they wouldn't have been here in time from AliExpress, and I couldn't afford to go down to Target and buy them. So if you want to sackcloth and ashmore, you'll have to do that on your own. I'm sorry. Um, and in Revelation, his comfort of those who mourn in chapter 21, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more. Because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, write this, these words are faithful and true. So the kingdom of God has a nowness and a not yetness. And not yetness isn't a word. It got underlined in red for me. 
But there's a nowness and a not yet, not, see, I can't even say it because it's not a word, not yetness to the kingdom of God. Those who mourn will be comforted perfectly in eternity with Christ, but also can find comfort in Him, in Christ, in this life. Your last blank is we look forward to eternity with Christ. We must remember to live our life with Christ now. In the morning, in the sadness, in whatever we're facing, we know that eternity with Christ, with Him, a new heavens and new earth, is something we have hope for. But we can take advantage, we can have the benefits of a life with Christ now as we seek Him, as we lay our burdens at His feet. God is currently the ruler over all and wants to be Lord of our lives now. And Christ will rule in the new heavens and the new earth for eternity and is inviting us into that eternity with Him. If, if you have never made a decision to make Christ Lord of your life, and that is something that you are interested in or want to pray with somebody or want more information after we finish today, I will be like right over here, and I would love to talk with you. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I'd like us to finish today by reading this prayer together as the worship team comes up. The words will be on the screen. This is a prayer of of kind of mourning and repentance, more so for the corporate and for the sin. Um, but um, if you're mourning or sad, or, um, we have Pastor Josh, Pastor Jesse, Pastor Sky would, would be here to talk to you if you want to talk through anything today. I didn't ask them about that. But their title starts with pastor, so they're kind of stuck with that. So they're okay with it, I promise. Let us read this prayer together. Almighty God, we acknowledge and confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. We have not loved you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. Deepen within us our sorrow for the wrong we have done and the good we have left undone. Lord, you are full of compassion and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. There is always forgiveness with you. Restore to us the joy of your salvation. Bind up that which is broken. Give light to our minds, strength to our wills, and rest to our souls. Speak to each of us, and let your word abide with us until it has wrought in us your holy will. Amen. Thanks for checking out our podcast. You can learn more or connect with us online at easthills.org.